press the follow or subscribe button in your podcast app to get daily updates from the front. We're sort of conceptualising what the main themes are and what the main story could be at the moment. Well, is that the story? I think so. I think the splash has got to get a sense of that. From the federal budget lockup in the Australian's Canberra Bureau, here's what's on the front. I'm Claire Harvey. It's Wednesday, October 26, and this is our bumper budget episode. You just heard our Canberra Bureau Chief, Joe Kelly, wrangling today's coverage from inside the lockup before the Treasurer stood up to make his speech. Speaker, while our economic policies put a premium on resilience, our fiscal strategy puts a premium on restraint. And this budget makes hard decisions for hard times. We've got expert analysis and all the numbers you need to know. Paul Kelly. The forecasts are dire. The Australian people need to prepare themselves for a much tougher outlook for the next couple of years. Dennis Shanahan. What we're actually getting here is a sham budget. It's not a real budget. Rosie Lewis. Well, coalition programs are being shredded, but Labor is spending all the savings elsewhere. Cameron Stewart. They are going to have to make choices, very hard choices. And more. First, the numbers. The deficit will be $32 billion this year, that's 1.5% of GDP, and it'll blow out to $51.3 billion by 2025. That's an improvement on the forecasts of $42 billion over four years, thanks to booming commodity prices and record low unemployment. But Treasury's forecasts for the economy are dire. Energy prices are going to soar. Electricity prices will rise 20% by Christmas and another 30% next year. Gas bills will go up 20% this year and 20% again next year. They're both major contributors to inflation. Real wages won't start rising for two years. And the modest cost of living relief on childcare and cheaper medicines won't kick in until next year. Treasurer Jim Chalmers will have to face a ballooning bill for the National Disability Insurance Scheme and servicing Australia's trillion-dollar gross debt. But not yet. Now, this is just the beginning of our budget repair work, and it's just the beginning of the conversation that we need to have as a country about our economic and fiscal challenges and about the choices that we need to make on what is affordable and what is fair. So we can pay to service the debt that was left to us when borrowing costs are the fastest growing budget pressure, rising at more than 14% a year over a decade. And so we can pay for the things that Australians value most. Our editor-at-large, Paul Kelly, asked the Treasurer when the hard work of fixing the budget is going to start. So what happens in May? Well, we've always seen this as the first of three or four efforts this term. Uh, We set that up deliberately. I I mentioned at the start that thing you wrote about putting the roots down of the government. That's how we see it, one way or another, putting the foundations down. And there's an element of conditioning people to understand, you know, we've had budgets for a really long time now where there hasn't been a savings effort. Paul, you've been covering federal politics over five decades. This is a rookie treasurer on his first budget. Do you give him a pass? Jim Chalmers understands the problem, and that's really important. But the problem is intense. We do face perilous economic times. 
And the point to make about this budget in terms of whether you give the Treasurer a pass or not is that this is a very cautious and unambitious budget in the near term. It's deferred down the track all the big decisions. So in that sense, the fundamental problems posed in this budget for the government and for the Treasurer are not yet addressed. They're going to be addressed in the future. So that's when we'll be able to answer this question. What I'd say is that the inflation challenge in the short term is perilous. The forecasts are dire. The Australian people need to prepare themselves for a much tougher outlook for the next couple of years. Inflation will be high. The budget deficit is unsustainable. Interest rates will go up. Unemployment will go up. Energy prices will go up. And this government, somehow or other, in the next couple of years, has got to meet that challenge. It won't be easy. Well, he's got seven months until the next budget. It's going to have to be a a massive new tax or a massive slash to spending, isn't it, Paul? What can he actually do? I put this to the Treasurer in the budget lockup. And the reality, I think, and this is what I've said in my piece for The Australian, the reality is, given Labor's values, that we will see a significant increase in the taxation burden in this country over the next couple of years. I don't think there's any way that can be avoided, given the need for budget repair. At the same time, there will have to be spending restraint. But spending restraint is going to be really difficult. It's clear from the budget papers there will have to be intervention to do something about energy prices. The projected increase in energy prices is simply unsustainable, and unfortunately, we will have a politically and morally fraught but necessary political debate about the NDIS. NDIS spending is out of control. And that will be a difficult debate between the legitimate demands of the disability sector and the legitimate position of taxpayer responsibility. Paul Kelly is The Australian's editor-at-large. Has everybody got their budgets? Jeff Chambers is The Australian's chief political correspondent and joins me now. Jeff, when the Treasurer came to see us in The Australian's bureau, you held up the budget papers and said, this is a scary graph. What is the graph and why is it so scary? So the graph shows the trajectory of expenditure uh, and over the next four years, it's fairly stable. But then we see from around 25, 26, this huge spike and a huge spike in the percentage of our expenditure in relation to higher interest repayments, which is in relation to paying down the debt over the long term. And it's also looking at the NDIS, which as everybody knows, is spiralling out of control. The Commonwealth cannot sustain this expenditure in the long term. And the debt bill uh, that we have accrued through the pandemic, we are going to see you know generations paying off this debt and really tough budgets moving forward. Jeff Chambers is The Australian's Chief Political Correspondent. Hey, Jim and Katie, can I stop you really quickly? Yeah, of course you can, Rosie. 
Finance Minister Katie Gallagher has found $22 billion in former coalition programs where savings can be made. Here she is briefing our political correspondent, Rosie Lewis, in the budget lockup. Firstly, I'd start by saying there's no easy save. Like, there's always arguments you can put around any anything to say that it's it's good. Um, we've put some analysis around, like, business ca- you know, do business cases exist? Was there a proper process? Is there a, you know, a delivery um, agreement for how this to be done and, you know, where that's had some holes, um, that's fed into our thinking. Um, I think uh, that, you know, that's the approach we brought. I would say when you look at the... Re- if you Have a look at the, um, the budget paper which does the regional ministerial statement. Mm. 760 regional measures in this budget, of which 220 of them are new. Um, so there is a huge focus on the regions in climate... Even our, you know, in our skilled migration policy, in housing, um, in um, some of the work that Chris Barnes doing about powering the regions, in some of the funds that Catherine is delivering in a much more rigorous way. Um, so it's about putting some rigour around some of these things. And where there wasn't, we returned that money, um, and we'll keep the discussions going. Rosie, you've been digging into the numbers in the budget papers. What's being cut? So a whole heap of things, actually. The list is extensive, but most controversially are several grants programs, uh, largely championed by the Nats. Also very much a big deal for regional Liberal MPs, things like the Building Better Regions Fund, um, the Community Development Grants programs. These really let local organisations apply for money to build new sporting facilities, to upgrade their sporting or or bowls clubs, things like that. And what are they doing with the money? Katie Gallagher has explained it as directly saving about $10 billion of this $22 billion save and then repurposing nearly $12 billion of it. Actually, I think pretty much all the $22 billion is going to go into something else that Labor has promised either at the election or afterwards and really sort of they're going to put their mark on the money that they're saving from coalition programs. Lots of it is going towards climate schemes, things like setting up a new hydrogen hub in Townsville, for example. There'll also be more than $200 million going towards deploying 400 community batteries across the country, as well as deploying solar and clean energy technologies throughout the community. So watch this space. I'm sure the coalition will be scrutinising how the money is spent very closely. Katie Gallagher mentioned migration as something they're doing to help the regions. So what's happening there? As we already knew from their Jobs and Skills Summit that happened earlier in September, they're actually lifting the permanent migration cap this year from 160,000 to 195,000. So Australia's net overseas migration is also returning to pre-pandemic levels sooner um, at 235,000 people. And a nice hit for the Pacific region, there'll be 3,000 extra places for Pacific Islanders to come to Australia each year as we really focus on our own neighbourhood in such a volatile world. Rosie Lewis is The Australian's political correspondent. After the break, the politics at play and what's Labor doing on defence? Hey! 
Hey, I'm Felicity Harley and I host Healthy-ish, where we chat to experts, influencers and people in the know from around the globe to arm you with the knowledge to make healthier decisions for your mind, body and soul. I think if we're going to be focusing on health, like sleep is probably the biggest component of that. I I think sleep is the cornerstone. Like choose the harder option because I've never woken up and gone, I regret that run that I went at 4am. I've never done that. Search for Healthy-ish and Extra Healthy-ish wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and that's a good start. And we've got at least two more, maybe three more budgets this term. Okay, now Which is why Shanahan wrote that we were playing the long game. The long see? game? It's going to be a very long game. Paul thinks it's going to be a long night. Dennis Shanahan is the Australian's national editor. Dennis, we just heard the Treasurer having a laugh with you when he came through our office during the lockup, but he might not be laughing when he reads your story this morning. What's your top line take? This is a live now, pay later budget. All of the so-called savings that Labor has made, uh, all of the rorts and waste they said they saved from the coalition, have been spent. It's been spent on Labor priorities. The point about this October budget, which Labor decided to call itself, is that it was meant to put them ahead. Put them ahead in the in the budget and election cycle so that they could actually have four budgets before the 2025 election. But what's happened is, because they haven't taken any real steps towards reform or savings or spending cuts or new taxes, any new real tax revenue, They're actually now put all of the jobs, all of the hard work back to May next year, and that means they'll be behind a budget. So everyone is saying this is the horror budget and this was going to be the tough one. Oh, next year is going to be the horror budget. This wasn't wasn't designed ever to be a, a horror budget, far from it. They haven't made any spending cuts. They've kept all the promises. It's about keeping faith. This is a political action hasn't been an economic action and they need more time to take those big economic decisions next year. Dennis Shanahan is The Australian's national editor. Cameron Stewart is an associate editor with The Australian and joins me now. Cam, the government's been very clear that the war in Ukraine is driving a lot of its decisions in this budget. So there must be a lot of defence spending, right? Well, there really isn't that much defence spending in the sense that the government hasn't committed to any more than the previous government did in this budget, which is interesting because actually defence spending has fallen as a proportion of GDP in this actual budget. But what the government's doing is it's holding its fire, if you like, because in March next year, it's going to receive two huge reports, one called the Strategic Defence Review, which will basically advise on the future shape of the Defence Force. The other one is the Nuclear Submarine Report, which is going to talk about how Australia should acquire nuclear submarines. And that is the moment when the government will have a really big idea of how much it needs to spend to get the Defence Force that it wants. And that is the moment when you're really going to have the true test of the government's commitment to national security because what's going to actually happen here is that they are going to have to make choices, very hard choices, between defence and health and education, NDIS. That's really going to be an amazing, I think probably one of the biggest moments for the Prime Minister in his first term and that will be in about March or April next year. 
We already know about the submarines, so what else will the government be splashing their cash on and why? Well, they're really not splashing their cash on much that is new. They don't like announcing things in defence in budgets because they get buried. They like to basically use either beforehand or afterwards. And so what you're going to see is the government having some really extravagant boasts early next year once they really decide the sort of defence force they want. So this was really interesting in this budget. I mean, defence is still a very big figure in the budget. But the government just didn't promote it. I mean, there's there's barely a word about defence in the press releases accompanying the budget, which is unusual. And they really haven't beaten their chest in the same way that the previous government did about defence and national security. It's been much more on social issues and economic issues. So, Cam, is this an indication of how you think Jim Chalmers will approach defence spending generally? No, I don't. I think that Richard Miles, the Defence Minister, is heading to have a big clash with Jim Chalmers, the Treasurer, because Richard Miles will want to have a big increase in defence spending next year when he knows the shape of the future defence force and what the submarines will cost. And that's the moment when Jim Chalmers is going to look at him and say, OK, mate, you know, defence versus everything else, what are our priorities here? And I think that's a really going to be an amazing moment in Cabinet when they really thrash that sort of thing out. But I think Richard Miles will definitely be pushing for a big increase in defence spending in next year his budget simply because he knows what he's going to spend it on. Cameron Stewart is The Australian's Associate Editor. Thanks for joining us. You can read all our budget news and analysis right now at theaustralian.com.au. The Front's budget special was produced by Kristen Amiot and edited by Tiffany Dimack. Our music is by Jasper Leake. My name is Manny Karoudis and I'm a former New South Wales policeman turned investigative reporter with a passion for missing persons cases. I'm here to quickly tell you about our True Crime Australia podcast, The Missing. In this series, I look at old missing persons cases which have all gone cold in an attempt to try and uncover new information which could help see these missing people reunited with their loved ones or any form of clue that could bring these families closure. The Missing is available now wherever you get your podcasts and early and ad-free on Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts.